Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you.
to all Americans tonight in all of our cities and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you. Over two years doing this, 
uh, it's a real honor. I love being able to shine my light and uh, utilize this platform uh, every single episode. It's uh, it's a gift. It for sure is. And I, you know what? I uh, I can't thank you all enough. And uh, a lot going on tonight. A lot going on in the media. Big guests on tonight. Uh, very excited. I do want to introduce to the show. I believe our panel is with us. We have U.S. congressional candidate from Maryland, Tim Baker. Tim, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Enjoying the Trump rally going on here on the East Coast, and yeah. loving that our country is so energized and wait and ready to see the real part of what's going to happen with this fake impeachment when it gets to the Senate. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, me too, Tim. Really excited. It, it's uh, it's interesting times right now, and uh, you know it's it's only going to backfire on the Democrats. Oh, it sure is, and I cannot wait because I think this is the long game. It's a chess move when the Democrats are playing checkers, so it, it's going to be yep. fun to watch. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Tim. Thanks for being here. I also would like to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us, we have activist and campus reform director. We have Sergi uh, Kelly. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Great to have you back. Big show tonight. Glad you could join us. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I believe we also have with us, uh, we have U.S. Congress candidate from Arizona, Josh Barnett. Josh, how are you? How's it going, guys? Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Josh. Big show tonight. Glad you could join us. Thank you. Uh, Everybody... You know, like I do every episode, I just want to, like, kind of review and, and go over some of the small headlines and things that have happened in the last 24 hours. And everybody on the panel, once I get to you, as usual, if you have any thoughts, please share uh, of any of the talking points that, that I'm presenting or, or discussing. So, uh, you know, I'll get to this, and then, as usual, I'll go from the small talking points to the big stuff, and uh, we'll address that as well. Uh, I want to start with um, – you know, there there was something really crazy uh, that happened, and th- this keeps happening. Uh, it doesn't end. And like I've said many times, you can't change evil. You can't change bad. You can't change someone's ideology if they're, if they're planning to carry out an attack. There's no law. There's no legislation. There's nothing that would actually prevent or stop a situation like that. But you have these politicians who won't quit, especially the ones on the left with the whole gun control push. And, you know, we saw the Jersey City shooting today, at least six dead. And what happens right after? Democrats start pushing for gun control without looking at any of the facts. They started pushing for gun control last week in the Pensacola shooting, even though the shooter got his gun legally. Nothing would have prevented that attack either. Um, You know, and this is going to keep happening, uh, these shootings. Uh, it's part of uh, the, the terrible epidemic of violence uh, occurring in our country and, and around the world. I mean, you know, obviously it's slowed down quite a bit. Crime rate is down. It's, it's not as high as it was. But uh, stuff like this, I mean, it, it's, it's just part of nature. You know, people are not, you know, not everyone's a law-abiding citizen. There are menaces out there. There are people that are the devil out there. There are people that don't give a shit about humanity and not, do nothing but cause chaos. 
and thank God for our first responders and thank God for, you know, uh, the people that, that get there uh, to, to stop this situation. I mean, it was bad. I don't know if anybody saw the video, but Jesus Christ, I, I heard hundreds and hundreds of gunshots, and I'm not even being hyperbolic. You watch this video. There's actually numerous videos, and it's, yeah, it's mind-blowing. And I'm just I'm mad that everything about these situations is a political uh, agenda. Uh, it's never any sympathy or any love for any of the victims. It's never about getting to the real facts or the real problems. It's always about pushing a narrative. And let's face it. You know, when you when you try to ban people's guns, and I don't want to get too off topic because this kind of is, but when you ban people's guns, like I said many times on my show, you're only leaving the good guy defenseless. Criminals are going to get their guns no matter what. They're just like they get them off the street illegally every single day. That's never going to change. These crimes are going to keep happening. I mean, it's like, yeah, and obviously these politicians understand that, a lot of them. And, you know, most of it's just about power, unfortunately. And sadly, you have too many voters on the left that have too much faith in these politicians, and they don't read enough about history. It's ridiculous. It really is. But going back into these shootings, um, you know, uh, there, there is, people want to, on the left want to whine and say we're wrong for thing, saying thoughts and prayers. But what else can we do? That's about all you can do in these situations. There's already every gun law you can think of in place. There's everything that, you know, I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's ridiculous to even have this as a, as a discussion on these liberal news channels. Um, all right, let, let's, uh, let's discuss this. Um, you know, this is, this is disgusting, and this keeps happening. Uh, Disney is now enabling and putting the spotlight on, on a 12-year-old transgender uh, in, in a new series. So that, this is what, and this is, I, go, I talk about this on my show all the time. The left has created this radical ideology where they start normalizing transgenderism, where they start normalizing all this craziness, you know, these hundred different genders, letting three-year-olds decide what their sexual orientation is. I mean, it, it's through the roof of, of, of insanity. I've never seen anything like it. We're living in a twilight zone. We're living in another universe with, what the, le- with, the, with the left and how they're, they're getting their agenda across. I mean, it's one thing after the other. First, it's them in the bathroom. Then it's pushing the narrative on kids' movies and then story hour. So it, it, it just keeps happening. It, it's, a, it's a disgusting cesspool uh, trend that, that uh, is going to continue. The left wants to build as many victims as possible. They want to place so many different people in boxes, and they want to convince anyone to be whoever they want to be, even if it's the most insane thing on earth and makes no sense. Like be a, be a 40-year-old man if you're a, if you're a 20-year-old woman, whoever you identify as. I mean, it's so, so ridiculous. You know, people want to identify as uh, unicorns. I mean, I've seen so many different stories that will blow your mind. Um, moving on here. Uh, the Democrat Party is in shambles. Uh, their candidates are a disgrace. Uh, they There is no logic or merit or any sort of, uh, you know, just substance. There's there's nothing in that party that at least one point in time, the Democratic Party at least was somewhat about politics. I would never agreed with them, but at least, like I said, they were something of substance once upon a time. They've turned into 
third world left wing communism, and it's it, it's taken a whole new uh, level of, of extreme. I mean, you you can't make this stuff up. You can't. Uh, I just anybody sees these headlines on a daily basis when you've got you know the bathroom thing or the transgender athletes or so on so on. You know, it, it just it, it doesn't it doesn't stop. It does not stop. And, and think about what the Democrats are pushing. Open, open borders, uh, free health care for illegal aliens, slavery reparations, uh, you know, ta- tax, tax the middle class. Uh, you know, every, everything that takes us back millions and millions of years, or, and I don't mean that literally, but you know what I mean, takes us back to the worst, the worst of times, takes us into third world. This is, this is what they want. You know, and look at look at how they're how they're uh, making their demands with their protests in the streets, their Antifa members, their Black Lives Matter, their SJW. They're not going about it the right way at all, and they want to say they're the the party of of non-fascists, they're the party of reason. But if you don't agree with them, you're immediately a Nazi, you're a bigot, you're the hateful person. That that's what it's turned into. Um, so you know, nobody really at this point in the Democratic Party is a favorite. And, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, divisiveness and, and mixture uh, of support for uh, candidates. But there's not like a Barack Obama. There's not somebody that everyone's in love with. And there was a new poll that recently came out, and I don't know how much I read into this or I buy, but Hillary Clinton apparently uh, is, is a favorite to run. And everybody keeps saying that she's going to run. Uh, it's, you know, they're, they're, it keeps coming out in the papers, keeps coming out on the channels. I have my doubts, but at the same time, I don't, because this woman is so desperate to be in power. Uh, she's already lost once. She's li- looking at it like she lived once in her life, and, you know, she doesn't have much time left in her eyes. And she, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, it, it's not too late. It's not too late. I mean, this woman, uh, I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if she understands that losing again would be even more embarrassing it would make her even more insecure. It would make her more depressed. But at the same time, you know, I guess you never know until you try. You know, this woman, um, she's, she's ruthless. You know, she, uh, she'll go to whatever standard, to whatever level. Uh, it doesn't matter how extreme it is. She's insane. Uh, I don't know what to think of it. I don't know what to, uh, you know, I, at this point, I would say more no. I don't think she's going to because I don't think she wants to have that much uh, humiliation, but <laughs> stranger things have happened, everybody. Stranger things have happened. Um, think about this, though. Uh, the impeachment thing, uh, this whole, it's only going to backfire on Nancy Pelosi. You know, they're talking about this today. This is going to cost Nancy Pelosi her job. Just think about it. You have all these people on the left that are counting on Nancy Pelosi, especially the voters, on taking down this president. And once she comes up short of that, I, that's not going to come up well and resonate and, and, you know, mesh well with these voters. I mean, they're, they're so radicalized and they're so angry and they're so hostile and they want to take down this president regardless of whether he's guilty or not. I mean, they have a one-dimensional agenda. It's one-sided, very jaded. And, and it's, you know, think about this, though. When they, when they come up short and they can't successfully get him out of office and then they wasted all their time on that, they failed, and then they did nothing for their constituents, Policy-wise, I just I don't see 
much of the Democratic Party in the future. I think they're going to run into a lot of problems. They're running into a wall. They are running into massive, massive headache, and they're burying their own grave. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I'm sick of these climate change hypocrites, moving on a little bit, but I'm sick of these climate change hypocrites. I'm seeing people like Bloomberg and all these Democrats, you know, Joe Biden. Climate change is the most biggest threat on earth. We need to stop it before it's too late. Our world is going to end. These people go on jets. These people drive their Escalades. These people, you know, live in their huge mansions. And I'm not hating on capitalism. I'm not hating on the wealthy. I love capitalism. I love making money. I love owning my own businesses. But at least these politicians should recognize that and not, you know, deny and try to pretend that they hate capitalism. That's all they live by. You know, they live by that saying, do as I say, not as I do. These people live by the biggest hypocrisy standard on the face of the earth. Uh, you know, and how are you going to say that the earth is at, is at war and it's such a big threat when your cities look like dog shit? You've got poop everywhere. You've got needles everywhere. You've got tents everywhere. You've got crime. Yes, liberals. We don't see this going on in conservative areas. I mean, it's, it's, it's a real big problem right now. Um, moving on. Uh, Nike, here's something really bad. You know, first they have Kaepernick. Then, you know, they want to get as radical as possible. Then they get that lesbo, carpet muncher, rap and hoe, whatever her name is, the one that hates America, can't stand that fool. I mean, she's the biggest smelly, low-life feminist on earth. I mean, this woman, all she does is hate. All she does is take sides of communists. All she does is disses America. And you know what? Nike enables people like that. And now they're enabling the religion of peace. They're, they're condoning it. They, they want to show it. They want to show it all this love, but all that religion does is oppress women. Religion of pedophilia. It's the religion of killing gays. It's the religion of pretty much everything terrible if you don't abide by it. Um, and think think about you know what Nike does with their products. I mean, they build them in factories overseas. I'm sure everybody has read the stories about how they have slaves working for pennies, 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 and then they turn around and sell their stuff for, you know, giant amount of money. And, hey, that's capitalism. I get it. But Nike, you know, they're a global company. Make no mistake. They don't stand for the U.S. values. They stand for everything that the U.S. is fighting against. Uh, so nobody should idolize or, or take sides with Nike. You know, we need, we need to really uh, – Get on the get on the wagon of these American companies, because uh, I you know I don't like this. I mean, you're going to enable the hot job. I mean, come on, this is sports. Stop getting political. Uh, here we go. Um, this is this is going to be really really interesting, and I can't wait for this. But Hunter Biden, yeah, crackhead, methhead, Hunter Biden, the guy that got kicked out of the army, uh, the guy that uh, got on the board of the gas company, knowing nothing, but his baby mama from Arkansas. Uh, is wanting the income disclosures for Burisma and the Chinese entity uh, that he was involved with. So think about that. He's got this child support stuff on his back right now. The financials are going to have to be released. I mean, unless they have some amazing, magical lawyers that can, you know, seal these puppies, uh, it's coming out. And uh, imagine the timing. I mean, look at this. 
right when daddy's running for office, the, the woman comes out and says, Hunter Biden had a kid with me out of wedlock, you know, the strip club. They even said these women performed some toys on Hunter Biden. I, you know, I, I don't know what, I don't know what kind of toys, but that sounds like some weird shit, especially if they're doing it to him. Can you imagine? Um, but Jesus, I mean, you know, this, everything that's coming out, all these different uh, stories. And I mean, it's just a clown show. It really is. And you know what? Uh, the testifying, obviously, when the, when the Republicans make the Democrats testify, we're going to find out a lot about Hunter Biden and with these financial records getting unsealed with, with his baby mama. I mean, that, I think that's even more of a threat. I think that's more likely because think about what they have to go through in court. They got to make sure he can, you know, what kind of child support he's going to pay. There's so many different variables that go into this uh, entire thing. All right, let's get to the big stuff. So the Democrats, the snakes, officially filed articles of impeachment. Uh, you know, they, they have nothing. They know that. But it, they're, they're too far along, and they know they have to go, go with it because they can't fairly beat him. They're threatened by him because he's giving power back to we the people. All their special interests are diminishing. He's exposing the swamp, and they, it drives them crazy, and they can't handle it anymore. Anything they can do to get him out of office. They even, many have said, the only way to get him out is to impeach him. Impeach him. You know, if, if, anything, if there was any dirt on Donald Trump, it would have been out a long time ago. It would have been out long, long, long ago. I mean, there, there's nothing legitimate. There's no sufficient cause. It's all hearsay. It's all opinions. It's all hurt feelings. It's what it is, folks. It's what it is. It's hurt feelings. It's nothing more than that. And this whole bias report from the IG report from Horowitz, we, Horowitz has to be involved with the deep state. I don't trust him. Uh, you know, he, uh, there's a lot off. Uh, you even had Durham come out. You had uh, AG Barr come out and say various things that are wrong about the report. You know, Horowitz is trying to say that there was no bias and everything was justified. Give me a break. Give me a break, Horowitz. Nobody has dumb written on their forehead. Hey, come on, dude. We don't have dumb written on our forehead. We're not stupid. We're not oblivious to reality. And then you have corrupt people like Christopher Ray, who's trying to agree with the Horowitz's report. Christopher Ray's part of the deep state. He's been terrible since day one. I don't know why he's still in there. I don't know why Trump has him involved. Trump needs to fire his ass. This guy is bad news. I don't... And even Trump has spoken out about it, but I don't know why Trump doesn't do something about it. I mean, Christopher Ray is a swamp creature. That's no secret. That's no secret. I'm tired of this. I mean, we need people in there protecting, protecting. You know, and, and William Barr said it perfectly. The FBI falsified the documents, and they continue, continued spying on the Trump campaign. They continue. They didn't stop. They kept going and going. You know, and Democrats are refusing to take questions, you know, by the media. They don't want to take questions. They know they're caught in a lie. You have Adam Schiff lied on many reports, tried to, tried to say words that the president never said, uh, tried to read false phone records, tried to do stuff behind closed doors. Everything here is a false flag. In a regular court, this would have been thrown out. You have witnesses that are supposed to be star witnesses that said 
they were drinking wine during the call, and they don't know. And the only legitimate thing was when President Trump talked to Sodlin, and Sodlin asked him, what do you want, Mr. President? I want nothing. No quid pro quo. No quid pro quo. And don't forget Jerry Nadler lying during his announcement of the articles of impeachment, lying through his teeth. And these edited videos they're playing in the courtroom, and, and all these, it's so, so phony. Let's go to uh, let's go to Kim Basenbaker. Kim, go ahead. Running for hey, Rory, great topics. Yeah, yeah, great topics, and uh, it's been uh, it's been it's been a show. So, and there's no, uh, let's fa- let's face it, Kim. There's no end game here. It's only going to backfire on them. We all know that Bill Clinton got way more popular after the impeachment. Yep. The Democrats won back the House during that time. You know, and it's. It's just sending the wrong message. It's so divisive. And even even the Democrat voters, some of them, know it's not going to go anywhere, but they like the thought of taking Trump down. They like the thought of it being a reality, you know? Yeah. It's, it, when, when Clinton was impeached, I remember you know, I was a teenager, and I, I was thinking this was the right thing. But it did backfire on the Republican Party. Now, I think the Democrats know this is going to backfire, but they don't care. Because ultimately their end game is to change America, and that's what that's what they've been doing. So yeah, I, I want to start. I do want to start with saying, you know, sympathies to you know the the officer that was shot and killed, I believe, in New Jersey today. And we, yeah, our first responders don't get enough credit, and the left exactly the first Amen. responders. This the whole Black Lives Matter and the whole uh, you know Colin Kaepernick with the pigs on the socks and stuff like that. It's 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 disrespectful to people who put their lives and die for us, you know, or to serve us. So, you know, hats off to, to to those people that do this every day, and shame on the left that try to to bash them. So, um, Disney, I, I don't. I, I'm glad my kids were more of a Nickelodeon uh, type family instead of uh, Disney because Disney has gone so far to the left. And yeah, it's bad. They, what I've learned by being a, a, you know, involved in, in politics now is that these companies get money to push their social narratives. So if they Dark want money, yep. to have behind closed doors, if they want to, if they want to have Muslim uh, Muslim characters or more gay characters, they actually get funding to push this kind of stuff. And you'll see it's proportionally not representative of our nation. So you'll have you know, I, I mean, just, there's just people on there all the time that's just thrown in our faces. It's not stuff that that needs to be, but it's they're doing it to push culture change. So, um, the Democrat candidates are in, in a in a heap of trouble. And you brought up Hillary, so Hillary is still hanging around there, looking to see if there's an, a chance for her to get in. I personally think it's going to be Warren that will end up winning this, and then she's going to get blown out in the general. But the Democrat candidates are just who can out who can out hate Trump. And that's all they do is they keep pushing and pushing to the left. It, they're not they're not the old school Democrats. These are the socialists that Nikita Khrushchev said would would happen. They would come from within, and all they do is keep pushing things to the left. They want America to be not America anymore. So what they're trying with this impeachment and what these candidates are saying 
is right out of their playbook and the Saul Alinsky tactics. And, and the thing is, it's not working. And the reason why it's not working is because President Trump is an outsider. He doesn't play by those rules. And if you want to be a true leader, we're seeing it right now. Someone who steps up, does the things unconventionally, and changes the rules of the game. And that is why the Democrats are just looking terrible. They remind me of kids that aren't getting their way. So all they do is they cry that they're going to they're going to they're going to do more. And I saw there was a, a Congress lady today who said even if Trump wins, they're going to try impeaching again in in his next 4 years. They're not going to give it up. They want to tarnish his reputation and it's it, it's just not going to work. There is going to be a massive landslide in the house and with the Electoral College and probably even a popular vote this time around. Climate change you brought up and Nike and and these things, typical leftist things where you know, when, when this stuff kind of happens, the, the businesses, when it comes to climate change and the environment, yeah. they, they – yeah, they, they follow the green. They follow that money. So yeah. they start doing things that seem more eco-friendly. Well, we can do the same right. thing here on the right. When you have people that, that are like Nike that are, are pushing things in our face or Disney, we can do the same thing. We stop patronizing these places, and they will eventually, if when their business hurts, they will start to placate us and do what we demand. But we have to stay together and, and continue pushing through everything that they're talking about. Um, and boycotting a lot of these businesses. And I know a lot of people are afraid of boycotts, but that is one thing mm-hmm. that we, we have control over. So lastly, you were talking about Hunter Biden. And Hunter Biden is a prototypical elitist child that, that was raised. <laughs> and, I mean, he's got everything, and he just he – throws, he throws all the good stuff he has away and becomes a mockery. And you know, even on the one interview, he you know he says, "I don't know why I got the job. I don't have any experience in that field." He's he is it's so obvious that he was part of this scam that the Bidens did, and I'm sure the Obamas were involved with. That you know, I don't I, don't, I can't even fault the guy. It's he it was given to him. Yeah, you know, well, obviously he's a grown man now, but so I do fault him, but but. He was raised in that environment where everything's given to him, and that is what these socialist elitists do. They take care of their own and screw everybody else, and that is what President Trump and many of us on the right are trying to do now is to change that, bring back the power to that people. And you have great candidates across this country that are MAGA-type candidates, and they want to do just that. And once they get in, we we need to make sure that we hold them accountable as well so they don't ever change. So I see great things happening, but I still see a major divide in this country that the Democrats pushed on purpose, that far left and then the Americans. So we need to find a way to eradicate, in a sense, that mentality that the left has to perpetuate America moving forward. So great topics tonight, Rory. I'm glad to be a part of it. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Tim. Great points. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Josh Barnett. Josh, I'm sure you got a lot of thoughts. Go ahead, my friend. 
Yes, there's uh, so much to go about what you just said. You know, and the first thing I'd like to say is I pray that Hillary Clinton runs. It'd be fun to watch <laughs> her lose again. And um, I actually encourage it. Uh, I'll even I might even I might even donate to her campaign to make her run because <laughs> there's nothing better. You know, there's nothing better. Hey, hey Josh, apparently she's saying. Josh, apparently she's saying that everybody's encouraging her to run. Yeah, I'm sure oh, the Republicans are encouraging you because you want to see you lose again. <laughs> I agree. There's nothing – trust me, there's, for me, there's nothing more that I would like to watch, you know, than to watch her lose again around a debate stage with Donald Trump with the best economy in the history of the world. And, and you know, what, what is she going to say to that? You know, there's, there's absolutely nothing she has on him. He's done so many great things. And, and when those things are highlighted on, on that debate stage, no one, no one will be able to stand a chance next to him. And they know this. And that's exactly why they're pushing this impeachment nonsense. And, you know, and, and I, I've been saying from day one, I hope they, I hope they impeach him. Because, well, you know, we all, we all know what happens when he gets impeached. He goes to the Senate. And then we can expose him. And that's, that's where that deep state, especially on the Democrat side, is going to be exposed. When the fake whistleblower shows up. Uh, subpoenaed when you got uh, uh, you know you got Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, the, the sociopath. You know you have Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, all these criminals from the Democrat side that are going to get exposed and be forced uh, with the subpoena from the courts. Unlike the Democrats, who just don't go through the court system, you know, and, and run a and run a uh, sham process that they've been doing the entire time. Uh, you know, there's there's so many things where they keep saying that Trump obstructs justice or obstructed Congress. You know, it's it's uh, it's literally you know what the the reason they went about the obstruction of Congress, the subpoenas were never put to the court, so he hasn't obstructed anything. Uh, you know, when you're running a, a a sham process like they were doing, not allowing Republicans to call witnesses, not allowing White House counsel, not allowing anybody to be cross-examined properly by the Republicans, you know, why why would you um be want to be a part of that? So I, I fully support everything they've done so far. And I think all the guys that have been there, Gates and Jordan and, and Meadows and Collins and, and Andy Biggs here from Arizona, they've all done a great job of exposing the sham process and everything that's gone on to this point. Uh, you know, you talked about the one thing, we talked about the gun and the gun control and the stuff that happened, you know, and, and all we can do is, you know, like right now is pray for those people in New Jersey and also in Pensacola. But, you know, uh, the gun thing, you know, it's a dehumanization of society in general. That's the problem. There's no value for life anymore. And, it, again, once again, the Democrats are leading that charge. Look what they do with abortion. I mean, my God, they believe in killing babies after they're born, for crying out loud. You know, it's, just, it's, 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 it's no, no, uh, no surprise to me that uh, the value of life is, has been diminished to the point that it, it means nothing to them. Uh, you know, and, and the Democrats do nothing but divide this country. And, that, and that's what they do, divide and conquer. You know, we hear that all the time, and that's, that's, a, that's a Democratic game plan. You know, every everything's categorized. Everybody has a category. Um, they try to divide every hell. They divide people by, you know, light skin, dark skin. You know, they they do whatever they can to divide this country. And this impeachment is just another part of that. Uh, you know, Hunter Biden. You know, there's so much to say about that story. We all know he's guilty as hell. And I'm tired. I'm tired of people defending him. Uh, we all know that he was a pay-for-play type of thing with his dad as the vice president. This whole charisma deal in this, this process of Giuliani going after him started before Biden ever ran for president. It's this, this is all from 2016 when he was the vice president. This has nothing to do with him running for president in 2020, which he stands no chance anyways. Um, another thing that you guys, I don't know, I don't, I don't think you brought up, was uh, Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's son, who's, a, who's a, um, a chip off the old block, 
you know, he, um, I don't know if you guys have heard, but he has an ex that he forced an abortion. Uh, he's weaponized CPS and gone after, had his kids taken away. Um, she's now going yep. after him. You know, that, that whole side's a nightmare. The whole side's a nightmare, up and down. Uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see Adam Schiff under oath testify. I'll, I'll do a pay-per-view to watch that one. You know, and, uh, you know, and, and as well as, you know, the same thing with um, even guys, you know, these, these Democrats constantly lie, lie, lie. You know, and they try to get people, they figure the more they lie, the more they tell the story, the more it's going to be believed. And the, the guy I'm running against, Ruben Gallego, you know, I, I told him today, he keeps saying these serious crimes that Donald Trump has committed. And I told him, name one serious crime. You know, and all he does is run his factless mouth constantly, like all of them, with nothing to back it up. They just put out this fake, false narrative and, and hope that people believe it and hope something sticks. But it's all going to come out, and I, and I really hope that these guys go on record um, with this fake impeachment. They force to go to the Senate and force to be actually under oath to tell the truth, which we may or may not get. But um, it is going to expose them into deep state, and it's going to be what's best for America. It's exposing that deep state. Christopher Ray should be fired. Um, that guy right. is a travesty. It's an embarrassment to the FBI. And, and Horowitz yeah. is a Democrat, Obama appointee. Um, he's a deep stater. I didn't expect anything from him, um, everything he's put out there. But William Barr and John Durham are going to go down in history as the people to save this constitutional republic, and I really believe that. Me too. Amen, my friend. Absolutely, 100%. Um, everybody stay with us. I, I do have people on the panel that I will get to. I do got to take a quick commercial break, uh, but we'll be right back. It's a beautiful night on the Rory Satter Show. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. 
Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. It's a beautiful night, everybody. A lot to get into. Uh, I do want to go to, uh, let's go to Sergi. Sergi, go ahead. Yeah, so lots of great topics tonight, lots of great things. Just pulling from all this, you know, from the impeachment to Disney and all this stuff. I just pull from it, you know, it's all connected to a certain level. You know, it's kind of culture war, you know, the left pushing, you know, their narratives through Disney, all this stuff, you know, like going to college at Michigan State. We get a bunch of that crap here. Just this leftism, you know, being pulled in classrooms, Disney, movies, you know, where have you. It, it leads to, you know, to these things of, you know, having politicians, fully grown adult, supposedly adult politicians, going around and trying to accuse a duly elected president of all this stuff. They're slandering him. They have ill intentions. You know, this is that same radical leftism is connected to, you know, just like it was mentioned before, this culture of evil, this culture of killing. You know, we we don't, people don't lift up our first responders, but and then they attack them for, you know, the few very minute police that have done bad things and should be held accountable, they go after them and try to make this narrative of, you know, we, we, of where no longer do we like preserving life, you know, everything from, you know, um, you know, from the Democrats now, not, not even supporting life or even supporting life after it's born, after they're born. Right. So, you know, they're going on this black lives matter thing. They're going against police. And so for me, just pulling from what everyone's saying, you know, being a student at university, it's, it's all connected. You know, these same kids here at university that are believing this leftism, stuff like this, they'll be the next, you know, the future Democrats of America. Um, and it's completely accurate. You know, the, the party of once Kennedy and, you know, even Roosevelt, I mean, obviously they weren't, their policies were horrible. They still had a lot of very bad strains in them. Um, you know, they've gone, you know, the bad strains of Roosevelt is now mainstream. You know, it's mainstream Democrat yeah. uh, party to be, you know, outrightly right. just socialist. That's no longer something yeah. where, you know, they tried to hide it in, you know, Woodrow Wilson, Roosevelt. Now it's just, hey, hey we're that party. Yeah. Um, right. Hey, so, sir, yeah, this sir, is- if you could, if you could hold your thought just for a little bit, I do got to introduce our guest, but I will get back to you here in the next 15, 20 minutes. But please, please stand by. I, I just, I got to get this guest because I don't, I don't want to be late or anything, but can, can you stand by just for a little bit? Yeah, of course. No problem. Perfect, perfect. All righty. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show, uh, I believe he's with us, very excited to have him on, uh, first time on, historian and best-selling author, Doug Weed. Doug, how are you? Welcome. Hey, hey, Rory, I'm doing great. How are you doing? <laughs> doing, doing very well, Doug. i Big fan of your work. I've been following you for a long time. Uh, you, you put out great stuff. You, you've done so many amazing uh, things. And uh, for people that don't know, you know, you're, when, I do, when I get anybody on for the first time, I like to get a bio from them, you know, a little bit about your life, how it all started for you, how you got to where you are, all that good stuff. 
Well, with me, I've just been a student of history most of my life. I loved to read it, loved to study it, and then started interviewing. Uh, I've interviewed uh, six presidents of the United States, got to know five of them very, very well, traveled with them, served on senior staff with them, wrote campaign biography for Ronald Reagan, co-authored a book with George H.W. Bush, and uh, this book, Inside Trump's White House, uh, was a chance to get all the primary sources, Jared and Ivanka and everybody in the White House, and get them on the record, the president, and it was just very exciting. That that's amazing, and Doug, that's amazing, and it, you know, like I, that's like a surreal experience. I can't I can't even imagine, uh, you know, what a what a treat. I mean, that's a once in a lifetime. I, you know, nobody gets that privilege. How did, how did you, I mean, obviously you have a, you have a big background and resume, but wow, man, that, that must've been something. Well, you know, I sat down with Ivanka Trump and, and I said in a couple hundred years, they're still going to be writing books about the Trump family when your children and grandchildren are all gone and whether the Trump family is portrayed kindly and grandly like uh, the Kennedys or celebrated as a great political and wealthy family or whether they're hated like the Borgias or Medici's it all depends on primary sources not anonymous and not hearsay so somebody needs to write a book and interview the president himself and his family members to capture those voices for history. And I would like to write that book. So that was my pitch. It took them a year or so to decide uh, to trust me and to give me that chance. They'd been burned a lot. So I was given complete access. Yeah, no, I, no, I hear you. And you know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, where I like how you go in there and find out for yourself, you know, and really put the facts out there and, you know, just, just get it from, get it from the, the horse's mouth, the people that are actually living it. Unlike this fake media, unlike these people that want to put together fictional stories and opinion pieces when they don't have a clue of what's really going on. Yeah. I, I found that the real stories are much more interesting than the fake stories. There were so many uh, accounts that had been written in Michael Wolff's book, Bob Woodward's book. I'd go through the list with, uh, with the president, with his family members. Did this happen? No. Did this happen? No. Uh, was he in the room? Was she in the room? Did she say this? No. And uh, it was just uh, startling to me. And somebody needed to capture that. The president has such a great personality. You can see it on stage. In person. <laughs> yeah, I it's bet. I bet he funny. does. I can imagine. I, he, you know, <laughs> he just looks like the most authentic and genuine person you'll ever sit across the table from. I mean, he's that guy that will make you laugh and he'll tell you the first thing that's on his mind, right? That's right. He's very, very funny. When, when, when he finally gave the okay, I, I come into the Oval Office, and he started talking immediately. Even before I ask a question, he was holding these papers above his head, and he said, these are my private personal correspondence with Kim Jong-un. 
They didn't want me to let you have them. They didn't want you to see them, but I'm going to let you see them. You can read them. You can't copy them, and you can't photograph them, but you can read them. I want you to see. And then he just started his narrative. He said, I was sitting right there where those two chairs are. I sat there with Barack Obama right after I won the election. I was president-elect. And I said, what's the biggest problem that you face? And Barack Obama said, the biggest problem is North Korea. You will have a war with North Korea on your watch. And uh, I said to the president, well, have you called him? And he said, no, I haven't called him. He's a dictator. And then the president, uh, Trump, looked at us, uh, us, me, myself, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and he repeated what, what Obama had said. I didn't call him because he's a dictator. And there was a long pause, and Trump said, stupid, stupid. <laughs> so I guess if he has a problem with somebody, even if they hate him and he hates them as a businessman, he picks up the phone and calls them. So that's what he started to do as president. And, you know, and that's why I've always said he's so successful and he's been so uh, you know, great in business because he has a way with people. And that's why he's the best president ever, and that's why he's so – uh, you know, that's why he's so amazing as president and successful is because he can bring all these people together. He can put people in a room, and, and that's, that's an amazing skill. Not everybody has that kind of profound uh, talent like Trump does. I mean, he has – people have it, but I, I, I've never seen anyone have it to his degree. I mean, this guy is uh, something that is, uh, in my opinion, straight out of the Bible. I, they don't make people like this. I mean, this guy has – not only save the country, but save the entire world. And he does it with his style and with his professionalism. I mean, this guy is one of a kind. He truly is. Yeah. uh, Bismarck said that politics is the art of the possible. And that's how I've always experienced it. I worked on senior staff in the White House, and I served as an advisor to two of those presidents. And they always picked three or four issues that are very possible that they can get accomplished and then get reelected on. But Donald Trump's a businessman and a businessman. He taught in his own book that you'd start with the most difficult problem. You solve it. Then you go to the next one. And that's very different. That's not politics. It's not diplomacy. It's business. Mm -hmm. And when he got in the White House, I describe in my book his first day in the White House. He wanted to do everything. He wanted to turn around the economy. He wanted to defeat ISIS. He wanted to bring home uh, the hostages that were held overseas. He just uh, he had a long first day, and uh, he'd been waiting for years. Uh, he always hoped somebody else would be president from the time his kids were little when Ivanka and Don Jr., when they were crawling around on the floor under his desk, he would rip <laughs> open the morning newspaper and he would file, cut out some of the articles and underline them very nerdy. Like, why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? And he always hoped someone with common sense would run for president, but they never did. And isn't, isn't it amazing, like, and, and how, how – I've never seen anyone's drive and enthusiasm and work ethic to this level like Trump. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, the guy sleeps about five hours a night and he's <laughs> always up doing something. He wants, 
He wants to, you know, fulfill all these different things on the agenda and, and promises. And I, I talk about this on my show all the time. He's, he's you know, came through on 80% of his promises within three years. He's delivered on 80% within three years. Most presidents, when they leave office after eight years, they don't even fulfill 10%. Uh, and it, it's, he's given us such a gift and such a, a strong – I mean, he, it's, it's beyond inspirational. You know, he, he's came into office and worked like no leader we've ever seen. I mean, look at all the past leaders. They've been way too political, and they've been way too – you know, I, I'm not, not going to say all of them, but a lot of them have only stayed on their side of the aisle and have not done necessarily what's right for the country. Trump is willing to work with anybody. He's, he wants to look at policy, and, and he'll go to whatever side, and he'll, he'll – you know, he, it's just amazing at how he, how he operates, you know? I asked him uh, if it was – he's certainly learned some things as president that he didn't know as a yeah. civilian. And I said, right. when you got in here and you saw how things were operating, was it as yeah. bad as you thought? He said it was worse. worse, right? It was worse. Yeah. What yeah. happens, uh, Rory, as you know, these companies live on regulations. They want regulations right. because right. regulations keep you from starting a business. And the name of the yeah. game is and always has been monopoly. So they're able to establish a monopoly. They're able to get money sometimes direct from the Federal Reserve. Doesn't even go through a bank sometimes. They yeah. get it at zero percent interest. Well, you have to pay for interest. And then when there's a recession, it doesn't matter if the president's a Republican or a Democrat. They all do this. When there's a recession, they pass what they call a stimulus bill. Under Obama, yeah. the last stimulus bill is 1,000 pages. That's the, that's the size of the Bible. And it's filled with deregulation, uh, exceptions. So they temporarily, for 18 years or 15 years, they deregulate chosen companies. They'll go to the biggest employers of Americans and say, what do we need to stimulate the economy? What do you need to create jobs? They say, well, these environmental regulations are killing us. Uh, okay, well, we'll suspend those for the next 10 years. So they got the regulations to keep everybody else out. Then they get rid of them after they've got their monopoly, and they're multinationals, so they're working with Europe and China. So Donald Trump right. came into power, and he broke the dishes. He turned over the tables. He, he, he ended the regulations so that small yep. businessmen could compete. Big companies like Boeing used to be the only competitor on some bids. Now up to 40 companies will bid against Boeing for some of these contracts, and they're more competitive, and the American taxpayer is getting a better deal. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, we look at how Trump has changed the game. He's changed the entire narrative and storyline in terms of bringing in the outsider, you know, bringing in the person that's not owned, doesn't owe anything to special interests or all these donors. You know, it's, it's, it's eliminating the political um, situation in Washington. I, I've, I've said for a long time. You know, the day of the politician, in my strong opinion, I think it's limited. You know, Trump has created this door and opened this opportunity for all these different people on every 
side, on various sides of the spectrum. You got business people, you've got people in all these different areas that aren't necessarily in politics, and it it it's a it's appealing. It, it it's resonating with the voters because the voters are seeing the light. They're seeing that wow, for the longest time, the reason DC is so messed up is because they're not working for us. They're working for their own uh, lobbyists, their own special interests, and finally. Finally, we have that leader in there who's getting all that stuff done because guess what? Guess what? He doesn't owe anybody anything. He doesn't, and he's tired of seeing the American middle class pay for everything. Uh, when he kind of blew up NATO, the media went crazy, and the generals came in from the Pentagon and sat him down like he was a little boy and said, sir, these are our friends, sir. And Trump said, well, if they're our friends, why do they lie to us? Why do they sign an agreement and then don't keep their word? Why does our middle class have to pay for high-speed railways in Germany and airports across Central Europe and pay for their education and their defense? Why don't they cover their own defense and let our middle class use some of their money to help repair their roads and bridges? And, oh, but they're our friends, sir. So he blew up NATO. And he rebuilt it. It's stronger than ever. It's raised $100 billion. The head of NATO Mm -hmm. loves Trump, and he saved it. But he had to blow it up before he could save it. Now, let let me ask you this. You know, going into the Trump White House and, you know, living this life that, I mean, how long were you – uh, you know, interacting and, and getting involved uh, and, and writing this book. What, what was it? What was it like? How long? Uh, two years. And I wow. tell you, it so you... was fascinating. Wow. I wanted to know everything. What do they watch on Netflix? Uh, what do they eat when they raid the refrigerator in the middle of the night in the White House? And uh, I just uh, was very, very curious and uh, <laughs> the book is just filled with fascinating stories. The, the eight, now there's 10 grandkids running crazy through the state floor with Uncle Baron playing hide and, <laughs> hide and go seek. Uh, there's just some uh, wonderful moments in the book. And, you know, I think everybody really, you know, I think a lot, I think a lot of us voters understand, but I don't think everybody the every the you know everybody in this country understands that President Trump is a normal he acts like a normal guy his family and, and they act very you know they, they don't act elite they don't act grandiose I mean they're very you know regular people like you and myself right yeah it's very interesting how Laura met Eric her love stories in the book and it's just uh, fascinating. Uh, You know, she grew up in North Carolina, went to church every Sunday uh, with her mom and dad, and uh, she wanted to be in the restaurant business, and it didn't work out. So she got into a culinary school in New York City, and she drove. She cried all the way there. What am I doing? Drove to New York City and went to this school. And one night, her uh, roommate uh, who also went to the school said come on I I want to go out and I need some uh, I want somebody with me and she said no no you go I'm going to stay watch a movie no no come on come on so she went with her girlfriend and they went out and she saw this tall guy across the room and thought that'll work because she's 
she's five foot eleven. She's six foot three or something in high heels. So she visited with the guy, and that night her her roommate said, uh, "So uh, it looks like you got along r- real good." <laughs> she said, "Yeah." She said, "You spent the whole night talking to that guy. You know who he is, don't you?" She said, uh, "Eric." Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a nice guy. He's tall. She said, yeah, Eric Trump. Yeah, yeah, he's Donald Trump's son. I said, oh, really? I didn't even know Donald Trump had a son. <laughs> so she didn't know who he was, but they fell in love. They got a great story. It's hilarious. Wow. And so so let, let me ask you this. So in terms of you, you know, so how, how would the day-to-day work? So I know you'd be in there quite frequently, but – how many hours would you go at a time at a time to the White House, and what what would be like you know your agenda? What, what kind of stuff information would you take down? Like this book is really interesting, and you really put everything in perspective, and you really get into details. Well, I I collected six hundred hours of wow uh, of uh, interviews uh, with people, yeah. and right. Uh, uh, a lot of it's on the cutting room floor and went unused. Uh, but I went to New York, went to Trump Tower and interviewed over the phone, interviewed in the White House and Jared's office, which is located right between the chief of staff's office and the Oval Office, interviewed president in the Oval Office, had lunch with him there, went went into the Monica Lewinsky hallway back behind the Oval Office and into that tiny little dining room there and had a nice lunch with the president and uh wow. interviewed Nick mean, what, wait, real quick his, real quick real quick i want you to continue i want you to continue but real quick what's it like having lunch with the president i mean what, wow i mean i can't even imagine that'd be like the greatest gift on earth to me i idolize that guy yeah it was wonderful you know the thing that interested me rory is at times he'd start asking me questions and I was taken by surprise. He's a great listener. And uh, that's the one common denominator of all the six presidents that, that I've known and interviewed. Uh, They're all great listeners. That's the only thing I know that they had in common, but uh, I would say, no, 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 because I want to interview him. His time is so limited, but uh, that, that was an interesting phenomenon. Of him, and I interviewed Ivanka in her office upstairs several times in the White House. And uh, uh, Eric gave me a tour of Trump Tower, and uh, the president sent me a list of friends. One of them was Paula White, and she lives in Apopka, Florida. So I flew down to Florida and interviewed her. And uh, any anyone he recommended, any of the friends, I interviewed them. That's amazing. And so tell me this. So what, like, what, what was your, what was the biggest surprise? What was like the biggest surprise that, you know, something that caught you off guard going into that White House, something that you didn't expect? Well, I was a bit, a good question, Rory. I was a bit surprised by how close uh, the president and Melania were. I guess I had been influenced by the media propaganda, but 
when the president talked, he, he was always talking about Melania, Melania this, Melania that, and uh, uh, her theories and her ideas and suggestions and things she'd seen on TV. And that surprised me. And uh, their love for each other. Uh, there was an occasion where he was going to visit the troops in Iraq and the Secret Service had to sit her down and explain he was going into a war zone and that it was dangerous, a combat zone. And she said, I want to go. I said, no, no, you can't go. You know, it, uh, uh, only a couple times in history has a first lady gone into a combat zone. And on those occasions, the, the Pentagon needed four weeks to properly prepare and plan so you can't go. She said, if my husband is in any danger at all, I will be with him and share that danger. So on Christmas night, 2018, uh, President Trump and Melania flew out uh, of Washington for Iraq to be with the troops. That's that's typical of Melania. And uh, she she's under such attack, as you know, and the president's p- very playful with her. Uh, sometimes at dinner in the evening, uh, when she's under attack for no other reason than just pure jealousy, he'll puff himself up with importance and he'll say, Melania, honey, isn't this great, this adventure I'm taking you on? You're the first lady, thanks to me. And she'll say, oh, yeah, thank you very much. Great, great. <laughs> so she, they know the horror of what they're going through, but they are grateful that the people elected them and they have this opportunity to serve the country. And, and, you know, I love, I love all, I love these stories. And and so what, let me ask you this, what, what is the interactions like between the Trump family and each other? I mean, is it, are they very close? I mean, how, how are the dynamics? These are really good questions, Rory. They text each other all day long. Uh, Like for example, on, uh, Inauguration Day, they the women all texted each other what to color coordinate, what color are you going to wear, what color I'm going to wear, and, and uh, they coordinated. And uh, when they were at the National Cathedral and Madonna took to the stage near the Capitol and said, I've thought a lot about blowing up the White House. At that very yeah. moment, the Trumps were in a motorcade on their way back to the White House, and they were in separate cars. Uh, Jared and Ivanka together, but Eric and Laura in another car, Don Jr. in another car with his kids. And the text just hopped from car to car with the news of what Madonna was saying and the threat to their lives. And the Secret Service, of course, have to take those death threats seriously. Interestingly enough, I've had numerous death threats since I wrote this book. Uh, the they before the book was even published, uh, received death threats saying that if the book was published, my children, all of whom were named, I have five children, would be bathed in blood and this all this gory stuff. Um, they're just people who have a lot of hatred. It's uh, interesting to see. Yeah, it's you know how radical the left has become, and you know my my brings me to my next question. Did you ever talk to Trump about uh, if he ever knew that you know? And, and obviously, I I think that he had an idea that things people would be uh, against him and opposed 
and, and radical, you know, if he became president. But did he ever understand that it would become – it would get to this level of extreme and hostility? Uh, did you guys ever discuss that? Yeah, we did. And no, he, he didn't have any way to anticipate that it would be this bad. But he knew it would be bad, and he warned right. the kids. Uh, he, he pulled uh, pulled them aside and said, we're going to find out who our real friends are. And he, he warned them that uh, a war is coming. And he especially knew that when he started to deregulate, because a lot of people are making a lot of money, Rory, and they own the media. And the yeah. ones that don't own the media advertise on the media, and they pay for the think tanks. And they pay for the pundits. They give grants to the pundits to write uh, stories and do uh, research papers. And then they go on TV and talk about what they've written and their op-ed. Right. And it's all financed by companies, multinational companies. Almost all of them make their money from China. And they hate what Donald Trump is doing. But he, he has seen in our lifetime, you and I have seen – the largest transfer of wealth in world history outside of the Middle East, and that's the wealth of the American middle class to China, and it has made China rich. And the Bushes facilitated that, the Clintons facilitated that, and Obama, three presidents in a, lo- in a row. Uh, that's uh, almost 20 years, and it has practically destroyed the middle class in America. And Trump is reversing that, and it's made a lot of people very, very angry, and they want to stop him. Yeah, and you spent you spent a lot of time with him. You know, two years is a long time writing a book, and you know, and we've we've known pretty much since he got elected that they were going to try to impeach him, and they were going to do everything in their power to get rid of him. I mean, they their goal was to end him. They never wanted him in office uh, ever since <laughs> that night uh, where, where we got America back and won the election, the Democrats mm. can't, can't accept it. And I mean, what, what do you make of this entire impeachment nonsense? And most importantly, what did, what did you and him talk about in regards to, to that nature? I mean, you know, he's probably, I mean, he laughed at this. I mean, and I love and I admire how he ignores the noise distraction it doesn't get to him. I mean, he just keeps working. He keeps going and, uh, you know, fulfilling on his promises for us. And, uh, you know, he knows that he's innocent, so he has nothing to worry about. And it's, you know, his style and his confidence is, is beyond profound. It's it's a, it's a remarkable thing. Yeah, it it really is. I want to, I want to repeat the title of the book is inside Trump's white house. uh, Yeah. Doug weed. Yeah, he uh, uh, – I don't think – he said it many times that he doesn't think another person could handle it. He was made for this. Uh, He's a tough guy. Ivanka says uh, just what you said about noise. She says, I don't listen to the noise. She said, I refuse to be bitter. I can't function unless I'm happy, so I choose to be happy. I found that very uh, profound. That happiness yeah. is a choice, and she chooses to be happy. 
Right. Well, no, absolutely. And did you? What did you and Trump talk about in terms of the impeachment? What, like, what? I mean, obviously, well, you know, I he set up with it. My opinion was that it, it, he that the Russian collusion inoculated him against impeachment, and for his legacy. So yeah, they'll go right. ahead and impeach him, but I don't think it's going to hurt his legacy because of Russian collusion. Right. Historians will take a look at this charge that he's a Russian spy, and they'll say, okay, okay, he's a Russian spy. That is one of the greatest events of world history, if that's true. That's like landing a man on the moon. That's like Christopher Columbus's voyage, that the Russians somehow figured out what ABC, CBS, NBC, what nobody else knew. They figured out how to get Donald Trump the nomination and how to get him elected, and they won the election. And he's a spy. And then they had him uh, improve the American nuclear deterrent. I wonder why they did that. They had him increase the military budget. They had him increase right. the number of sanctions against oligarchs. So who yep. recruited him? Where's his file right. in the Kremlin? Why did they have him do all these terrible things against Russia? It's the most ridiculous, absurd thing so it's like, uh, in fact, Jared Kushner said he told his father-in-law, this is the best possible scandal they could have ever lied about. <laughs> if they lied about something to do with your casinos in New Jersey or building codes in New York, people could have become confused and they could have believed it. But instead, yeah. they picked the one thing that you're so provably innocent of, and it's right. the perfect scandal. So I believe it inoculated him for impeachment because when historians come looking for this, it's going to be very clear that this impeachment was motivated by the swamp, by money, by big corporations. If your listeners will Google billionaires and the 2016 election, they'll see something very interesting. Billionaires support the Democrat Party 20 to 1 over the Republican wow. Party because yeah. they're big monopolies and they're making money. And if they look right. at the top 10, the largest companies in the United States, the CEO of eight of them, of the top eight are Democrats and the boards of directors of most of them are Democrats because they work with the special interests to get special legislation and special regulations that keep the other companies from becoming competitive so uh, you have Elizabeth Warren running against billionaires. <laughs> it's just a joke. She's she's not a billionaire herself. She's I think she's only worth eighteen million dollars, but she gets paid three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to teach one class at Harvard University. She's part of the academic elite, and uh, that's a whole nother story. So no but no you're ab you're absolutely right and and you know i've I've always said on my show many times that the Democratic Party has transformed into either the super rich or the very poor. They've scared away the middle class and uh I, what I really want to ask you is so like the people that work in the White House that work around trump what 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 do you see in that i mean what 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 did you witness? what kind of dynamics are those? Uh, how does that go on a daily basis? Jared Kushner uh, made an interesting observation about that to me. He said that there are two kinds of people working in the White House right now. Those 
who want to help Trump save the world and those who want to save the world from Trump. There are still some disloyal people working in the White House. It happens. There's two reasons why. One reason is Trump likes to have people on staff that disagree with him. He likes to debate uh, a decision, and he likes to have a real strong contest before he makes a final decision. And that's why he had John Bolton on his staff, even though Bolton for two years had totally disagreed with him. He brought him on anyway as NSA advisor. And the second reason uh, he does that is because he's not a politician. So most politicians have run for Congress or the Senate or governor, and they have this huge army of people that help them get elected. And they all have their duties and their jobs to do. And not only does the candidate have this army, but the army has the candidate. And it limits what the candidate can say or do because he has to be beholden to his team that helps get him elected. Well, Trump went into the White House without that team. So he didn't have people who had been loyal to him and who'd worked with each other and who could fill those positions. Uh, That's bad. He had to rely on other people who were loyal to Bush or, or loyal to Romney or loyal to Obama to serve in these positions. But it was also good because he's totally independent. He's not owned by, by this, this culture that he's created. He's, and as an independent person, he can suddenly make bold moves, like moving the embassy to Israel which five presidents couldn't do, moving it to Jerusalem. I love it. I love it. And, and uh, I mean, I I could talk, I could talk to you all day. I mean, this is, it's amazing. And and what, what are some of his habits? Did you pick up on some of his habits? (laughs) Any interesting stories, any funny stories, stuff like that? you, You said he stays up all night. That's true. This book that I've written, he tweeted three times in one day about this book. Uh, so <laughs> it's very interesting. He gets, he gets uh, going on a subject and yeah, he's a great president in my humble opinion. He's, he, he's delivered on the gold standard for presidents and that's peace and prosperity. He hasn't gotten any attention for this Rory, but think of this. Yeah. He's the first yeah. president in 40 years who hasn't invaded right. somebody. They invade right. Granada or Panama or Bosnia or Libya. There's always somebody to invade. Up up till now, so far, he hasn't invaded anybody, and he's given us the greatest economy we've experienced in history. Yeah. And, you know, you spent all this time with him. Did you guys ever share a lot, any personal stories like side talk, anything like that? <laughs> Yeah, he's got a lot of theories, and we talked about a lot of policy things that I, that were off the record. Uh, I interviewed him right after Roger Stone had been arrested in the middle of the night, and CNN had been tipped off, and he was uh, disgusted by that. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a, a fascinating time in American history. And Jared Kushner has said, uh, he said that there will come a time when people will miss him 
dearly because he speaks with such frankness and he's such a leader and he's so open. And he said, you watch in many years from now when he's gone, uh, bumper stickers will start to appear. Give us our Trump because uh, they will long for someone who's not politically correct, but who speaks honestly and truthfully what they believe. And I was just, I was just going to bring that up because you know, after his eight years is done in 2024, you know, we've fallen in love with, with this family. We've fallen in love with Donald. We've, fall, we've fallen in love with his entire family. And it's created this profound and special movement like never seen before. I mean, we are, you know, we have crowds at these rallies that are bigger than some of the biggest rock stars on earth bigger than a Super Bowl, bigger than any sporting event you can think of. I mean, this is something that is be, I mean, this it's, it's unreal. I've never seen anything like it. And here's, here's my point. When he's done in 2024, I think Don Jr. gets passed on the torch. I think he carries on the legacy because nobody else wants another politician in there. People want the Trump family to continue on. Uh, and it's a, it's such a dedicated and passionate base that, I couldn't see anybody backtracking and going to somebody else. You know what I mean? What are, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, it can happen. We've seen family, family dynasties before. And uh, I think no doubt that many years from now, when, when there's a, a, a different, uh, when a Republican returns to the White House again at some point, I think they'll, right. they'll tap some of the Trump family to to help the country remember uh, those good times. Just stop and, Rory, I'm going to have to leave, but just stop and think of this, Rory. There are 7 million unfilled jobs. That's a population the size of the state of Indiana. 6 million people have gone off food stamps. It's just unbelievable what's happened. We've never... And, you know, I'll let you go, Doug, because I know you have to, but we've never seen these numbers before. And I was just watching Jim Cramer the other day on CNNBC. I've been watching him for many years. And he's like, whether you love Trump or hate him, you've got to acknowledge that these are the best numbers of our lifetime. You, numbers don't lie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Thank but you absolutely, so much, Doug, Rory. Yeah, Doug, please tell everybody where they can find your book, connect with you, all that good stuff. Okay, the book is Inside Trump's White House by Doug Weed, D-O-U-G-W-E-A-D. And you can connect at DougWeed.com or InsideTrumpsWhiteHouse.com. Excellent. And you can get the book anywhere. I can talk to you all day. You're amazing. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I really love your your story and your experience and everything you're doing, and uh, keep it up, and we'll have you back soon, my friend. Thank you, Rory. Good luck to you there. God bless you. Thank you, sir. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, We'll be right back, everybody. Stay with us. We're going to come right back with Stephen Young and Kirk Smith. This is the Rory Sodder Show. It's a beautiful night. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, Skyray Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. 
Our goal at SkyRays Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back, the Rory Sodder Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Everybody, I want to introduce to the show, I believe he's with us, uh, we have U.S. congressional candidate from Michigan, Stephen Young. Stephen, how are you? I'm blessed, and you Doing well, Stephen. Uh, great to have you here. First time on the show. Uh, like I do with all my guests when they first come on, uh, give us a little bio about yourself, um, how it all started for you, and how you got to where you are now, running for Congress. Big stuff. Well, it's uh, a long story, but uh, we'll make it short as possible. I uh, grew up here in southwest Michigan. Um, went to one of the last one-room schools here for eight years. That existed. And uh, in that, had the opportunity to go back and see the history that we 
ahead here in America and, and, and learn it well because of the old books from even the 1800s that were still available to read from. Uh, at 18, I joined the military, U.S. Navy, for an educational opportunity, got involved with uh, electronics and eventual nuclear power and trained in, the, in submarines and served about nine years in the Navy. I got out of the Navy and uh, went to work for commercial nuclear power, uh, became a senior reactor operator, licensed through the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, um, was an instructor in radiation chemistry control, health physics, um, there are a number of things along that line, and in the fullness of time, came back to Michigan here, where, I, where my wife and I both grew up, and uh, been working here since. The idea to run for Congress occurred here a couple of years ago because of the congressman that we have has been in office for such a long time, and he really does not stand on conservative principles, although he's considered a Republican by the election. He definitely is not a constitutionalist in any sense of the word. He has not supported our current president. In fact, he supported Obama a whole lot more than he supported Mr. Trump. And uh, we find that great fault with him. And so it's time to replace him, we believe. Yeah. I know that I am the man to do that. And so we are running and having a good time doing that. I love it. I love it. And, Stephen, so for people that don't know, tell everybody where your districts cover in Michigan, because Michigan's a pretty big place. District 6 is the southwest corner of Michigan. includes six counties, Allegan, Barry, Van Buren, Kalamazoo, Cass, and St. Joe, and uh, mainly an agricultural area. There's a couple uh, larger cities, Kalamazoo and Benton Harbor, St. Joe area, a little bit in the south side of Holland, but uh, mainly smaller towns and cities, townships, farming community. And what, what kind of what kind of responses have you been getting, and how's the campaigning going, all that good stuff? The response is good. Um, if we have the opportunity, where we have the opportunity to speak, when we take the information back to the, the base, the foundation, the foundation of this country, the eventual establishment of the Constitution, talking about those things and, and looking at them, comparing to where we have gone and increasingly go further and further away from our constitutional principles. Um, folks do love to hear that and are interested in supporting that. And uh, so we're, we're making a, a nice base, very thankful for those who do support us and, and going forward one step at a time. Yeah, and, you know, Michigan is, is a beautiful place. Uh, you know, I, unfortunately, I don't like some of the people that are involved there. You, you have people like Tlaib. You have some very radical uh, individuals that are trying to take Michigan backwards, and I'm sure you're very aware of that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you can speak on some of the policies that Democrats have put into place in your state. Crazy stuff, right? It does get extremely off uh, off the bubble, I guess you would say, not not level at all. And the unfortunate right. part is there's several states like that. Illinois is one um, because of Chicago. Yep. Most of Illinois, as far as the land mass, is very yep. conservative, as is Michigan. And there's other, other states like that as well. And the, the great population, as far as numbers around the Detroit area and the eastern corner of the state and a few other cities, um, have really become quite liberal. But uh, over in the Detroit area is, is the biggest portion of it. And so it ends up being, from a vote standpoint, from a, the state uh, is pretty close to 50-50 as far as who would vote. 
But again, a lot of those votes, and whether they're voting conservative or voting liberal, it really is done with no insult intended, quite ignorantly, not understanding, again, the, the Constitution of the United States, not the Constitution of Michigan, uh, and, and not the simple things as far as we the people being involved in a government as an educated people in that government, not just looking for what the government can do for us, uh, because that is really the wrong aspect of what the government is all about, except for the minimal things the Constitution says. He tells us that the federal government is supposed to be involved, and the rest of it is left to we, the people, and the several states. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about this, and, you know, uh, it's, it, it was big headlines recently. Michigan recently legalized recreational marijuana. And, you know, I'm, I, I've always been um, a conservative. Uh, I've always, uh, you know, voted for Republicans. But one of the very few things I'm socially liberal on is the, the recreational uh, marijuana because, you know, the if alcohol is legal, I look at it, you know, alcohol kills people, you know, constantly. I've never known of anybody dying on marijuana. And I, I've always said, you know, uh, if the government can find a way to make money on it and it could stimulate an economy and grow certain infrastructure, just legalize. I mean, there's so – and there's there's certain studies in it and stuff like that that are positive, and um, you know Trump's even said he he's on the fence. I mean he hasn't canceled it out of legalizing it uh, because he he sees a business standpoint of it. But what are your thoughts? I mean there were record breaking sales, uh, you know, um, since it's been legalized. I mean it's been nuts, right? It has been quite a bit of nuts, and obviously there are drawbacks to it, and there are positive sides to it, but. Running for federal office, once again, we have to go back to where the Constitution stands. And it does not, our United States Constitution does not really have any place for the federal government to be involved in either alcohol or marijuana, drugs of that sort. There's right. no place for the federal government to be involved in education. There's no place for the federal government to be involved in marriage. Uh, here, and I'm changing the subject a little bit, but here in Michigan, we, we have passed as a Constitution. Um, amendment to the Constitution of Michigan that marriage is between one man and one woman in the federal government. I agree. Under yep. the guys in the Supreme Court got involved in that. It's, it's not their business. It's unlawful for them to be involved in it. And the same with marijuana. We the people voted to have it in here in Michigan, and that makes it law and, and legal. And whether someone is for it or against it, that's the law of the land right now. And the federal government really has no lawful say in that. We are stuck with our own mess, whether it's a good mess or a bad mess as far as money-making because of taxes and sales or more accidents or whatever it might be based on abuse of marijuana. No, absolutely. No, very, very well said. No, I, I hear you 100%. Now, I was going to ask you. So Michigan, uh, it was just a new poll out today. Trump's winning in Michigan uh, for the swing state uh, in 2020. He won Michigan in 2016. We know Michigan is a very pivotal and uh, state on the map. Uh, what are you seeing with the Trump support? Is it, keep, it keeps growing in Michigan, right? I believe it is growing very definitely in Michigan. And, again, the, the more foolishness we see with Congress as it's going on, whether you consider the impeachment or even statements like you talked about our, our uh, United States reps from the east side of the state and, and how fanatical they are, um, that really solidifies – so much more of not only the Republican base for Trump, but even much the Democrat base. They're seeing the complete 
breakdown, uh, mental instability of our Democrat friends, and they're realizing yeah. that that's not where they want to be. And so I do believe right. that uh, the impeachment that will make no difference in Michigan for those of us who, who will watch what's going on carefully and that Michigan will go for Trump in 2020. And, Absolutely. And no, go ahead. I'm sorry, the congressman whom I'm running against as a Republican has not supported Trump anywhere along the line. He didn't before he was elected. He has not since he's been elected. His his uh, idea is bipartisanship, and he's working with um, the congressman from across the state to uh, to limit uh, the Second Amendment, uh, just a number of things like that. So he's a Republican, supposedly, but he's working more with Democrats than he is with a a conservative or a constitutional base in Michigan. Yeah, I I love it. I love it. So well, no, he you need to you need to. I mean, a guy. So he he considers himself a moderate. Uh, he would probably say that, but he he isn't a moderate. He's far and he's from never sided with the president. And, unless it was a last resort. Um, insane. That that that's in, that's insane. So. So your area, how how did this guy get elected, and how long has he been in power? Because sounds like where you are, it's somewhat, you know, conservative. Well, this, he was elected in '96, and so he's looking for a seventh. Wow, term. so he's a career-long politician. He is. He came out of uh, big money, and he's made a whole lot more money while he's in office. But the thing is, the people here in, in West Michigan would. Support the Republican Party. Support, support the Republican Party, and of course, he's the nominee. Right. And a few folks are run against him along the way, but there's so much money behind him that uh, they try to outspend him to win it along that way, and, and try and get it, their name out based on money. And, and money's not going to win this election. Um, if, if he's going to be replaced by someone who is more common sense, willing to make a stand, and not afraid of admitting that they took an oath of office once upon a time for the uh, uphold the Constitution of the United States and not willing to waver from that. But the, the, yeah. someone take a stand, I, I think that's what the people are looking for. And you don't need money to win an election, you need votes. And to be votes, you need right. the people willing to, to understand what that foundation is and be willing to also make a stand. Uh, again, as we're told many times, as our Constitution is being established, it's, it's not made for anybody except a moral and even a religious people. It has to be understand the morality involved in it. And although although much of our country has slid from that stand, uh, we see the results, and folks are ready to turn back, even among our young people, that they realize how far um, really some of my generation went from the late 60s you know, through it and where they've taken this country. Um, and they want to go back to a foundation again that, uh, that's yeah. more stable. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so let, let me ask you this. What do you see as the three biggest problems facing your area? The three biggest problems facing my area? Is yeah. that what the question was? Um, yeah. There, there is... I'd say the education that is being put out by our colleges, um, the education is a problem because it is definitely not an education of the things we need, but education in, in liberal arts and in, in liberal science, whatever you want to call it science. It's, 
it's a it's a propaganda type of thing. There's just the base education yeah. from our schools on up, really from our get grade schools are going that way. Um, right. I have a, one granddaughter graduated from Central Michigan. I have a couple still in high school. And and the things being taught, even in the most conservative districts of, of the public school, are really no longer yeah. the base of education but propaganda. And right. uh, so so education in that area on truth, on yeah. reading, writing, and arithmetic, you know, hey, reading is so important for young people. Hey, Stephen, I do got to let you go here in the next minute or so. I, I'm running out of time, but uh, the, the next two things, what are the next two things? The other thing is because the infrastructure of Michigan, the roads are just terrible, and that's part of the problem of the state and part of the problem of the federal government. Infrastructure. Um, yes, that that is. We have a very we are the state that made, if you want to make say that, the the foundation for our automotive industry, and we have the worst roads I think in, in all of the United States right now, due to right. federal policies. And so that needs to be addressed as a state. Um, and then we do have agricultural environment uh, in, in much of Michigan, but again, that is something that the federal government needs to back out and let the farmers right. run run the farms without the influence of the government, and that's that's many areas, but that's one area, and uh, that, that'll be difficult to present to the people because there's been so much federal government involvement in the farming, and it needs to go back to just basic farming and supplying the sure. United States and the world with food. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And, and please tell everybody where they can connect with you and connect with your campaign and all that good stuff. And right now I have a Facebook page that I have, and that's uh, Stephen and Jay Young for um, Michigan's 6th District for Congress, United States Congress. And then uh, uh, you can find me from an email standpoint at youngworks. 73 at gmail.com. I'm still working on a web page and a few other things as we're just getting started here. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Stephen, I definitely want to get you back soon, uh, but thank you for coming on and uh, God bless you, man. I'm rooting for you. Thank you. I appreciate the time, Roy. Absolutely. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us. We have Mega Meetups coordinator Kirk Smith. Kirk, what's up, buddy? How are you doing, Rory? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the invite. Absolutely, Kirk. Um, I love what you're doing. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your first time on the show. Um, well, I kind of started out with um, when Trump came down the escalator. I was one of the first ones to you know, just get behind him and everything and uh, hopped on Twitter. Uh, never saw it coming, but ended up with 31-plus thousand followers behind me and uh, took a trip to D.C., got invited to a MAGA meetup up there by Jack Posobiec from OAN News, and uh, really liked what I saw up there. I really liked what they were doing, and I uh, told them all that, and you know, they told me I should come back to Texas and start doing it down here, so I came down and uh, you know, just kind of started doing it, and the MAGA meetup is a is a social gathering for like-minded Trump supporters to gather together, to network, to socialize, um, and, you know, just bring out a grassroots efforts to get behind people. Um, we've brought in some great people since we've been started doing it down here in Houston. Um, we brought in Laura Loomer. We brought in the deplorable choir. We brought in Scott Pressler. We brought in Bianca Garcia, the Latinos for Trump president, 
people that are running for Congress, uh, even Renero Pate, who's running against uh, corrupt Sheila Jackson Lynch. Amazing, we, um, man. Yeah, we're 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 doing some really great stuff down here. Um, you know, uh just last month we had a uh, Scott Presser down here for his Texas tour. I kinda, you know, took the reins on the Houston side of it and we, we set up a bunch of different things going on down here, you know, uh voter registration trainings. We did one down in Houston, we did one in Clear Lake, we did one in Cleveland, we did one in Conroe, we did some MAGA meetups. Uh, and then this month, just this past weekend, uh, Scott Presser came back down. I worked with uh, Brianna Garcia from the Latinos for Trump, and uh, we brought in a whole bunch of people, and we did a, a cleanup down here in Houston. You know, Scott Presser came down and did his thing. He, that guy is amazing. Yeah, he's he's special. That's for sure. I I watch a lot of his videos, and so. So tell me about this, Kirk. So, you know, you started this whole movement and mega meetups, and what's the reaction? I'm sure you're getting lots and lots of people that come to these events. Yeah, we do. We uh, we have quite a few people that show up. I didn't actually start it, but, um, you know, I, I brought it down from what I saw uh, from the people that did start it. You know, Will Chamberlain, you know, congrats to him for getting it kind of started nationwide, uh, you know, working with the Sobic and everything. Um, you know, we're bringing out crowds of, you know, 100, 100 and plus people out, you know, when we're bringing these people in, letting them know who the people are that are running, giving them up to date, you know, real news versus what they're seeing on the TV and everything. We've never had a single problem at any of our meetups, no protesters, no nothing, and people are just loving it down here. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, and so... It it really is a great idea because I I look at this as something extremely special. I mean, you have a movement like never seen before with with Trump supporters. I mean, it, it's like a it's 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 such a huge fan base. I mean, he's got more supporters than a rock star. He's got more supporters than the Rolling Stones and Beatles. Uh, and you have I always thought this was long overdue to create a meetup networking event where. Trump supporters could could collaborate with one another and converse. It's the greatest idea. It is. It is. And Trump, especially, you're right. Trump is an Kirk, inspiration. Especially, especially with how divided our politics are in today's society. And think about this. You have so many people that don't want to interact with Trump supporters uh, for whatever reason. I don't know. I mean, it's become that uh, hostile. So, I mean, this is perfect where you can – resonate and connect with people that share the same interests. It is, it is. And it's, it's, it's needed now more than ever, than it ever, ever has. You're right. Yeah. The country's divided and, you know, the, people are scared sometimes to go out and, you know, wear a Trump shirt, wear a Trump hat. I mean, look at, I mean, I know the, you just, the guest that you just had was from Michigan. If you look at what just yeah. happened in Michigan, there was a girl a 16-year-old girl who went to school with a Women for Trump pin on her shirt, a yep. male teacher assaulted her and ripped it off of her. Yep. Yeah. The magophobia, <laughs> as as some say, <laughs> they're, they're scared of us, and they're, they're, they're treating us like crap, and we shouldn't be scared to come out and support our president. We voted for him. We sh- we're proud of him, and we shouldn't be scared. And, you know, a MAGA meetup, 
is exactly that. Everybody shows up. Everybody's like-minded. And it's, and it's a great resource for everybody to network that's in the grassroots movement. I've introduced people that didn't, you know, that have worked in the same cities trying to do the same exact things to help push the same exact movement on a conservative, conservative basis, and they didn't know each other. We, we, we need yeah. things like this in order to introduce and network to grow and to keep Texas red and to make America great again. And think about all the different ways it hel- it helps everyday lives. I mean, think about, you know, what it can be useful for. I mean, people can date, date through it. People can collaborate on business. People can meet new best friends. People can meet mentors. I mean, you, you get so many different variables, you know what I mean? Oh, I absolutely do. And it's funny that you say that. We actually, there, there is, you know, a, a couple people that have met at our MAGA meetups that I that I that I've known that they've kind of you know created a relationship with, and everything like that. And you know the people when they come in and they, you know Laura Loomer, a journalist, she's running for Congress down in Florida now. Her telling her entire life story just inspired you know like a hundred people at our MAGA meetup, and they all just yeah. they're out there and they're they're fighting even harder than they were before. You know when they see Scott Pressler come in. And and they feel his energy. The man is amazing. They just they go out and they they work hard. They cleaned up twenty tons of trash in Houston in four hours. Sylvester Turner wouldn't go pick up the trash. Scott went in there four hours, one day, twenty tons of trash. There's videos all over Scott's feed on how appreciative the citizens of Houston are. It's it's incredible, and it, it absolutely is. And you know, everybody, if, if Trump's president, Trump's presidency, you know what it's really done, and what it's really, uh, I mean, it's done so many amazing things, and and we'll, we'll be thankful forever. I mean, we, you know, we're forever uh, grateful. But it's brought in so many people together, and it's woken so many people up to the reality of what we've been dealing with in our political system for so long, whether it's these incompetent leaders in these cities that we have to clean up trash in or, I mean, whatever it may be. I mean, it's definitely created uh, this movement and shine this light, and it's a beautiful thing. It's it's amazing to watch. It's just, the country's never seen anything like it. We loved Reagan. You know, it, it's almost like George Washington is president all over again. Yeah, yeah. And so let me ask you this. What what is like the, the usual attendance at your events? What do you what do you guys get on on average? And how often? How often when we first when we first started out, um, we were bringing in uh, you know, thirty to fifty people. Uh, now we're up to, you know, we've, we've, we've built our base, we've built our list, you know, so that way we, we collect the, you know, the email addresses and everything so that way we can update them because Twitter's censoring me so that way I can't push the information out. They never see it. So we've built that up, and now we're, we're averaging roughly around 100 people per meetup now. You know, it's not we, – we have a, a good core of people. You know, there's, there's a solid 10 or 20 that just want to come every single time. But we're talking about 70 right. and 80 different people showing up to these events every single time. 
We try to have them about every 45 days. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get back into it here at the beginning of the year. We're kind of going to give it a little bit of a break here on the holiday, let everybody enjoy the family and everything. Uh, but we're going to jump right back into it at the beginning of the year here. I've already got something set up with Scott Pressler for March. He's going to come down and, and help with some of the uh, – uh, the congressional candidates that are running down here in the Houston area, and then we're going to have some MAGA meetups and everything, too. And uh, I'll set some stuff up for either January or February, too. Yeah, man. And, uh, yeah, I'll definitely, have to, I'll definitely have to attend one of these times here in Houston, right? Yes, sir. Yep, they sure are. Yeah, you're not very you're not very far from me. I'm I'm over here in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I love Texas, man. I I do love Texas. Um, I was going to ask you something though. Um, so tell us some of the stuff you're working on. I know you write for uh, the Houston newspaper. I know you're involved in politically in various things. What's been going on? What what do you what do you got on the agenda? Well, like I said, we just kind of finished up what I had on the on the books right now with everything that we did in November and December. Uh, yeah. with Scott Pressler. Um, as far as, you know, the Houston Courant, you know, I they reached out to me, you know, asked me if I could write a few things. I've, I've wrote a few things for them. Um, so I'm, I've got a few that I'm working on, articles getting ready to come out. I don't want to say too much about those uh, until it right. gets out there because I'm still doing some research on it and everything. Um, but uh, like I say, you know, come the beginning of the year, we're going to have some more MAGA meetups coming up here probably towards the middle of the end of January and, Feb- and then into February. And like I say, I got some, we got some big stuff playing for March too with Scott Pressler. I, I love it. I love it. And l- let me ask you this, and, and this is a concern of mine and I've been reading about it and, you know, I, I didn't read too much into it until, you know, I, I saw certain political experts, you know, start really being concerned about it. But Texas, uh, being a blue state eventually, there, you know, we have all, all these people moving into Texas from liberal areas, and they're, they're influencing the voting bloc in Texas. And I, I'm saying to myself, the day the state of Texas turns blue is the day all hell breaks loose. But what are your thoughts? I mean, is, is, this, is this something that you've studied or looked into? Because uh, apparently uh, there's quite a bit of Democrats now in Texas. There are, there are. Um, to be honest with you, it is a possibility, Rory. It's a scary, scary thought, um, but it is a possibility. And you're right. You know, people are fleeing California. They don't want to be yep. there. They don't want to pay the gas prices. They don't want to pay the taxes. And where are they coming? They're coming to the best economy in the United States, and that's Houston, and that's Texas. Texas is booming. Greg Abbott is doing awesome. You know, I'm bringing, you know, jobs here and everything that, you know, the apple plant and everything with Trump coming down here and whatnot. And to be honest with you, you're right. You know, the people from California are coming over. They're coming over the border illegally. They're voting illegally. Voter fraud is not a myth. It is real and it is scary. Yep. Texas, Texas is in danger. It is, it is an issue and we need to address it and we need to address it fast before the 2020 election comes up. I mean, you'll see how, how scary did it get with Beto running against Ted Cruz. That was scary. <laughs> Can yep. you imagine if Ted Cruz wasn't in the Senate and Beto O'Rourke was? <laughs> and, and, that, and, that, and that's, what, that's what blows my mind, because I've been to Texas many times, 
I've, I've been to San Antonio. I've been to Dallas. I've been to Austin. I've been to pretty much every main city there uh, and Houston. But here, here's what really shocks me is you have places like Austin that are liberal. There shouldn't be any city in Texas that's liberal. And the fact that it's turned into that, I don't think Austin has been liberal forever, but I know it's been liberal for at least a few years and it's leaned towards that. But that's just unacceptable. I think the state of Texas is the biggest pro-America state. I think it's, you know, I, I just think it's where Western civilization, uh, you know, gets much of their values. I think it's, it's such a, a pivotal a part of, of what our, our country was founded upon. It is. Texas is a great state. Um, and, and like I say, it's, it, it is scary when you look at places like Austin. Because Austin, you know, they've always kind of got that thing where they always wanted to be the weird city. You know, they they, they live yeah. by that. You know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that at, at times. But when right. weird becomes sick, you know, and and, and people are, are are just diseased with TDS, as they say. Yeah. You know, and they, they're just filled with hate. And, you know, the, the media needs to take responsibility for what's happening with all the hate that's going on. You know, on on, yeah. on Trump supporters being assaulted, you know, and, yeah. and the media just completely ignoring all the corruption from the Democrats. I mean, this and it, it fills these people's heads with a bunch of malarkey, as Joe Biden would say, and just you know, <laughs> it makes them go crazy. Yeah. Oh, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. One hundred percent. And uh, Kirk, I could I could talk to you all day, and I. I want to get you back on very soon, uh, but please tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get involved, all that good stuff. Yeah, um, Twitter's where I do everything, guys. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Saving America, the number four, or Saving America, the number four, the letter U. Saving America for you. It's usually my top tweet that is pinned when I've got an upcoming event within the next 30 days will be pinned at the top of my feed. Um, and I'll usually have a link posted on there where it'll forward you to be able to sign up for updates on the next upcoming ev- upcoming events. So that way we can keep you in the database and keep you updated on all the events that we got coming up. I love it. I love it. Well, Kirk, uh, definitely get you back here soon. Uh, let's talk. Maybe you and I can collaborate on some stuff. I love having you on. Uh, God bless, my friend, though. Keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. God bless you, Rory. Absolutely, my friend. We'll talk soon. Have a great night. Um, let's go to let's go to Tim. Tim, I'll give it to you. Some closing statements. If you have any thoughts. Yeah, this impeachment stuff, Rory is just a sham, and it, it's going to all be good in the end. We're all going to see how this just plays out, but we know. It's it's uh, just a witch hunt, and this is going to help give back the House to the Republicans, and we're going to work with President Trump, and we are going to keep America great. So, um, you know, for everybody listening out there, I'm also a candidate running here in Baltimore. You can find me at uh, timfazenbaker.com. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at America One Tim Faze. And on Facebook at Fazenbaker for Commerce Congress. And as always, American Kids First. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Tim, I love having you on. If you have any other thoughts of anything throughout the show, go ahead. If you have anything you want to mention. Yeah. Mr. Weed and, and the, uh, the book, it was awesome to hear and to hear an, an actual person that has that deep connection with the president and his family and their friends and what's going on. It's refreshing to hear that because you don't hear that in the mainstream media. You just hear the narrative uh, from the left. But we have shows like yourself, your show here, and we have you know books coming out like Mr. Reed, Reed wrote. These are things that are awesome. I'm so glad we, he was on. It was so refreshing to hear that, and I'm looking forward to many more patriots putting out honest and fair uh, assessments of what this presidency has been like and what it means to America. I love it. I love it. Well, God bless you, Tim. I always love having you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roy. Absolutely. Um, let's go. Let's go to jo- Josh Barnett uh, in a- Arizona, running for Congress. Uh, closing thoughts. Anything on your mind? Go ahead. You know, it was it was great hearing hearing the stories about President Trump and. Uh, you know, somebody with firsthand knowledge. I actually have um, a member of one of my gyms. Uh, he's his grandmother is Rosa Rios, who you might recognize from the dollar bill that you look at, the Treasury of the United States. And um, I spoke with her and about her firsthand knowledge, and you know about everybody calling racist and everything. And when you hear it from somebody who's been there and knows him personally and is with him, you know, on a, on a regular basis. You know, it really sets it in, and it really irritates you even more when you hear the mainstream media talk about it and calling racist and everything, when you know damn well it's not true. And it is great to hear these stories from firsthand knowledge uh, from these from these great patriots that are out there. Uh, you know, but, you know, I just want to let people know, hey, you know, keep in touch with me, Barnett for AZ on Twitter, uh, as well as uh, uh, Instagram, and Josh Barnett for Congress on Facebook. Keep in touch. Keep engaged with me. And it's and it's and it really is time to take back uh, the House of 2020, and and uh, you know, luckily we're getting a little help from the Democrats because uh, everything they're doing is backfiring in their face. So, um, you know, I, I encourage them to keep up the good work, and it's time for us conservatives to go out there and fight and get our message out to the people. Absolutely, absolutely, Josh. Well, you're a good friend of mine, and I always love having you on the program. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, Let's go to Mike Peters in New York. Mike Peters, I haven't heard from you. How are you doing, man? What's going on? Doing fine and another great show. I'll tell you, it was really it was outstanding having that author on. Mead, I believe his last name was. Yeah, Doug Weed. Doug Weed, Weed. Very popular guy. He's written a lot of books and lives. Spent a lot of time with Trump and the family. Yes, I'll tell you, that was a fantastic interview that you did with him. And also everyone that you've had on the show tonight was, was great. But the inside is your other... Uh, the other comments uh, have come out, but the inside track on a side of Trump that we don't see and don't hear from the media, the propaganda machine, it was refreshing for once to hear that. It was really nice, and I hope he really does well with that book. I know that's something that Pelosi and Schumer are not going to have on their bookshelf anytime soon, but that's okay. Uh, future historians, he's right. They will judge Trump based on what he's done the president, and they will ridicule this Congress and these politicians for centuries to come, and they don't even realize it. Well, anyways, great job tonight. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we'll get you back Thursday. Got another big show Thursday. Great. Everybody, I, I really appreciate it, your, your support. 
Uh, like always, I want to thank all my audience, my sponsors, my guests, and my co-hosts. Uh, it's a real privilege and real honor being able to utilize this platform and uh, sh share my, my voice and shine my light. Uh, big show planned for Thursday, though. A uh, lot of big guests coming on, a uh, lot to talk about. And, uh, yeah, another episode, though, guys. Uh, it's, uh, it's amazing, you know. We're, we're, we're making big things happen here on the Rory Sider Show and a lot of big things planned for the future. So with that, uh, have a great rest of your night. Uh, I love you all. God bless. Mega, mega, mega. I'm Rory Sodder. Cheers, everybody.